Welcome to our second episode of the Failure Bites Summer Takeout. I'm Kristen Brennison. Is a failure always a failure? Defining a situation as failure or success is a very personal process. What is a failure to one person might be seen as a success to another. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Dr. Amanda Durek about how we define failure and the challenges of giving feedback to help others be successful. Failure tends to be uncomfortable for people. It's uncomfortable to give negative feedback to people. Um, And that's actually something we need to become more more comfortable with. Um, That I think that a really interesting direction of research that's happening now um, is teachers' beliefs about a growth versus a fixed mindset. And a a teacher with a growth mindset it's a lot more comfortable giving feedback to students because, well, it, there's some suggestion that that is, that is the case. Um, there's some kind of early research that I've seen. But it's a really interesting possibility that it doesn't feel nearly as bad to give negative feedback if you think it's helpful, right? If you really think versus like, oh, man, I'm going to you know, give those exams back and everybody's going to find out that they didn't do really well and they're going to withdraw from the course or whatever. But it becomes an interesting possibility. I think teachers are very aware of their students' emotional ups and downs, especially when it comes to competence. One question is whether failures should be labeled as failures at all. And it's possible that two people have the same exact experience in the sense that let's imagine two people who are um, bowling one night and one person hits the gutter every single time, doesn't even get you know nothing. And another person gets gutters the whole, the whole night and one leaves saying, that was a terrible experience. I'm awful at bowling. I've always been bad at bowling. And what a, what a mistake to go. And the other person says, well, I certainly could have done better. I imagine I can't get any worse. I did get the ball further down the lane across the evening. And, and you know what? I had a nice time. And I was with people I enjoy. And so as a consequence, there's sort of this, there's not even a necessarily failure. It's like I gave it a try, you know, when, when um, sometimes some, it's sort of, it's a way of framing risk in terms of giving it a whirl. You know, sometimes we go into achievement situations and we're so serious about it. And some achievement situations are pretty serious, but most of them, you know, we're just going to give it a whirl. And sure, we might we might look silly, we might not do as well, people might know that we didn't do as well. But when we start thinking about real, the development of our our own real competence, compared with demonstrating competence to others, which, which those are very different, they sound the same, but people who are focused on demonstrating competence to others, in other, in other words, looking like they're smart, looking like they're talented, looking like they're doing well, so that an audience out there of others might see their value um, is very different from a person who is focused on their own development of competence. What am I trying to do? What do I am trying to get out of this math class? What am I trying to accomplish by writing this research paper? And and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm giving it a whirl. I'm trying to do it. I want to do my best. I want to follow the directions as closely as I can. 
with the assumption that my teacher is the guide here and, and a helper along the way, not just a person to dole out positive or negative feedback. Um, and that's a very different, that's a shift of focus that's very different. But, you know, in, in the demonstrating competence to others, that's, that's sort of the danger zone. Um, when and, and, it, and it does come back to, um, you know, that the competence is, is sort of an ought thing, that you're trying to do this for other people. Um, I ought to be smart at this. I ought to be able to do math versus I want to be, I want to get better at this. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do math. I want to be skilled in this area. And so those are the kinds of things that really change the experience um, um, of a task where you're trying to accomplish something and to do it, to do it well, essentially. That whether you have this outside observer perspective versus more, more of an internal, your own personal development kind of perspective. So managing your students' emotions has some sort of some very self-relevant consequences in the sense that if your students are really upset about what they're doing, you're going to feel that in your classroom management. But then at the other side, in terms of you know, just being effective in providing feedback to students in a way that's helpful for them. So I think teachers are really sensitive to, to their students' emotions and their, their expectations about how students are going to respond. Um, and so the way teachers think about failure and success may be an important precursor to how they feel about giving different kinds of feedback, which might be a precursor to actually how they give feedback, which might be a a precursor to how students feel in response to it. So I think it's some really interesting translation of growth and fixed mindset in a classroom, not really starting at the at the students, but starting at parents and teachers and coaches and those kinds of things. Because I, I suspect, and I don't know the research, there might be research that I don't know about, um, but I, I suspect the growth or fixed mindset of the person with power in that situation um, and the person who's going to be providing feedback uh, it's going the the nuances of that conversation and that and that interaction would differ depending on whether people have a fixed or a growth mindset and and the ins and outs of that I don't think we know. Um, there's some suggested evidence that that parents and teachers' beliefs matter, but how that translation actually occurs is is an important area of research. Slightly different research has been shown that one fairly personal kind of feedback that students often receive is about their writing. And um, so students may put a lot of what they perceive as a lot of time and effort into producing text and and writing a passage that their teacher then um, has often a lot of things to say about it. And those things to say are not always positive because writing great job all over is not going to be useful at all. So from the teacher's perspective, I want to help my students improve. From the student's perspective, they just got a lot of negative feedback. And so there's research to suggest that um, kind of putting the pieces together for students is helpful. So um, there's research by David Yeager and, and colleagues to suggest that when students are given feedback on their writing, um, and these are older students, I want to say high school students, um, what they find is that uh, when students are given feedback of their writing and the student in, in, in conjunction with that feedback is, is told, I'm giving you this feedback because I know that you can improve and do a better job, so I want to help you. That is more effective for motivating um, the number of drafts students submit and the number of changes that they make to their papers as a consequence of the feedback. And importantly, this is especially pronounced for students who are otherwise struggling in, 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 these, in the various academic domains. And so I think that's an important message because I think from the teacher's perspective, 
it's obvious that the reason why a person gives feedback, why the reason why a teacher spends a large amount of time carefully commenting papers and reading and providing useful, thoughtful feedback is for the purpose of the student with the understanding that the student has the capacity to make that change. But students don't necessarily feel that, in part because it may be painful simply to read the feedback. I think there's a part of, which I think is a really interesting question of how uncomfortable is it to read feedback about what you did wrong? And then also, to what extent do they not make that transition to saying, oh, this feedback isn't just to justify my low grade, it's actually to help me do better the next time. And that's sometimes not obvious to students. And I think that that's a, that's a connection that the research would suggest that making that more explicit can be really important, especially for students who are most likely to struggle. Teachers, mentors, coaches, and parents play an important role in helping young people deal with failure and growth. We must choose our words carefully when giving feedback. The right type of feedback can change one's perspective of failure and see opportunities for improvement and growth. Thank you for listening to our special summer episode of Failure Bites. As always, I'm your host, Kristen Brennison. Failure Bites will return with more stories in the fall. Don't forget to subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode. This podcast was produced by NIU STEAM at Northern Illinois University. Your future, our focus. Our focus.